Second Peter chapter two, and we're gonna be picking up here in verse number ten. <coughs> kind of an interesting passage here, but this is where our studies have led us as we continue to go through Second Peter. The Bible tells us, beginning in verse ten, it says, "But chiefly them that walk after the flesh." In the lust of uncleanness, and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and it shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they count it a pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots are they in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart how they exercise with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb donkey, speaking with the man's with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Here we see a description of these who would walk after the flesh, who would do the work of the flesh. You see, they're not walking after the Spirit. They're not, from the context, it almost sounds like they don't even have the Spirit. But the Bible tells us that they're going to walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. In Galatians chapter 5, the Bible tells us clearly what the works of the flesh are. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, railing, and of such like. Of which I tell you before, and as I have told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the works of the flesh. These are those who are going to walk after the flesh. See, chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. They're desiring their own lust. They're going their own way. They have their own desires. They want to fulfill their unclean and unholy desires. goes on here in 2 Timothy, the Bible tells us, says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. That's who this is describing. These, boy, we see that they said, hey, they were spots in your feast. Hey, they're sporting themselves with their own deceiving while they feast among you. 
He's there talking about the church, and boy, they would have a dinner and have a potluck, and boy, these people they would show up and and they would act as though everything was okay and everything's great, but really they're pursuing their own lust. Boy, they have that form of godliness, but oh, you know, yeah, you know, we we go to church, but eh, you know, it's just something we do. They treat it more like a social club. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a good boy because. I go to church. But they don't pray. They don't read their Bible. They're not seeking the Lord. They're not exercising or utilizing the power that comes through Christ. Boy, they have religion, but they don't have the power of God. And it can be said about many today that, boy, they have a form of religion, but they deny the power thereof. Hey, so you know, I, yeah, I'm, I go to church, I, I'm a Christian, but then the next day you see them going about devising their own means and their own schemes, trying to get ahead, trying to fulfill their own lust. These are those that would walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Now, I have to stop thinking about this. You know, I work for the government. And when, from my perspective, there were a lot of things that go, what in, you say, what in the world are they doing? Why, well, who made that decision? <laughs> and, and it's real easy to despise or to treat lightly these governments, these authorities. But the Bible tells us that these authorities are ordained of God. And when we despise them and treat them lightly or disrespect them, we're disrespecting the authority that God has put in place. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, Now as Janus and Zambres whispered Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Boy, these who were reprobate, these men that were corrupt minded, resisting the truth, they also withstood and tried to rebel against the authority that God had put in place. When we recognize that authority is from God, and that really when we go against that authority, we go against those whom God has put in place. <coughs> then we recognize that when we despise governments, it's almost like despising the authority of God. And sometimes it's hard to understand why the ungodly are, are put in places of authority. It was hard for, for the prophet to understand how God was going to use Nebuchadnezzar, this wicked man, to go and fulfill God's will. And how this wicked man was the instrument of God. And yet, so it was that God used Nebuchadnezzar to fulfill his will, to bring about the judgment that was long time coming for the long patience that God had towards Israel. They despise governments. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, just a, a little bit earlier, it says, in 1 Peter here, it says, 
that we're to submit ourselves to the government says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to king as supreme or unto governors or as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We're to submit to these governments. We're to submit to the ordinances that God has put in place. Government was ordained by God. And because of such, we should be submitting to that government. But these that will walk after their flesh, they despise government. And I, working for the government without having God in mind, it's easy to say, yeah, I can despise them. I can, I, I can treat them lightly. I don't have to obey them. I don't have to respect them. I just go on and do what I, what I want to do. And it's easy to take that mindset because we don't recognize that this authority is from God. And these that are walking after the flesh, they're burning in their own lust of their uncleanness, and they don't care what the government's going to say. They don't care what their authorities are going to say. They're going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to want to do it, and they're going to follow their lust. And we see here, it goes on, it says, presumptuous are they self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. They are presumptuous. Oh, you know, it'll be all right. Hey, you know, it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. That's what we say. Oh, you know, I'll just ask forgiveness if, if I get in trouble. Okay? For the presumptuous, they're self-willed. They're going to go, they're going to do what they want to do. Hey, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to go do it, and I don't care what they say about it. You know, I know a guy at work, and that, that's kind of become his attitude. Is I'm going to do what I want to do, and if they're going to say something about it, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to follow every single rule, and I'm going to make... I'm going to go and I'm going to take machines down while they're running it so I can fix something that's not really important. And, you know, and, you know, being a mechanic, I mean, that's what he's supposed to do, but he's going to make sure it takes it a long time. And, and he says, if they tell me what to do, I'm going to, I'm going to say okay and I'm going to make sure that, that they know that I'm unhappy and I'm going to cause them problems. And I'm going to make sure they know why he, their self-will. They're not afraid to speak evil of these dignitaries, of those who are in authority. And that happens all the time, especially, you know, in a secular workplace. Not afraid to speak evil. And we see it in the news. Not, people in the media, not afraid to speak evil of, of the president, of those who are in authority. Makes me always stop and think about how blessed we are to be in America where we can have the freedom of speech. Because you couldn't do that in other countries. In other countries, you spoke bad about the government, boy, they would, they would, there would be some severe consequences. I know I was, even before my brother went, I was talking to, talking to him about it and says, well, yeah, you, you can't, you know, talk bad about the Communist Party there in China because if you do, They'll just disappear. They'll, they'll make sure that you are silenced. And I know I was reading about 
watch, well, we are watching the news, and they were talking about people who, when this coronavirus first broke out in China, and they were taking videos of waiting rooms that were overcrowded, and boy, the next thing you know, they said, well, we don't know where that guy is. We have no idea where that 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 journalist is. We are just disappeared. Okay, but this is those who these are here in America. We have that freedom to publicly speak, but just because we have the freedom to speak evil of those in authority doesn't mean we should. A lot of times, I'm talking to people, you know. It's, Especially working at the post office, there are those who are on both sides of the aisle, and sometimes I'll run into people that will be on the opposite side of the aisle, and they'll have all kinds of things to say about us. Well, you know, nonetheless, uh, we should at least respect the office of the president. We should respect the office of those who are in authority. And a lot of times you see that lacking, where people don't have the proper respect for those in authority. Why? Because they don't understand, they're not saved, and they don't understand that authority comes from God. But these that are self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Here the Bible talks about these angels. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and in might, and might I say in wisdom as well, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed. They speak evil of things they understand not. Boy, you know, it's real easy to talk bad about somebody or what job they're doing when you've never done the job. When you've never been in that position, you don't understand. And you don't see things from that perspective. You don't understand the pressures that come on them. As I was saying earlier, you know, See things happen around the post office and go, who in the world made that decision? But it's easy to criticize and to be mean, but then I also I have to remind myself, and you know, sometimes those who are talking to I was yeah, but you know, you never know what kind of pressure was coming on them from higher ups or you know, what kind of stuff they had to meet in order to, to keep their position so that they, you know, they could feed their family. So sometimes these decisions, we they we don't have all the details. We don't have that perspective. But these, they're going to speak evil of those things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. I thought, boy, they're utterly going to perish in their own corruption. I just thought about when I read that. I thought, you know, Proverbs chapter one talks about people who are going to go and they're going to try to take things that are not theirs and kill the take away the life of the owners thereof and well you know they're gonna set a trap and they're gonna be the ones that are gonna fall into it. But these are self-willed, they're gonna perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. They're gonna walk after their flesh within their do what they want to do. They're going to despise the, the government. They're going to despise the authority that's over them. But they're also going to reap the reward of unrighteousness. I mentioned Janus and Danbury who withstood Moses. Boy, they, re, they reaped the reward 
of unrighteousness. The Bible tells us that their folly was fully made known. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Bible tells us, verse 8, Now as Tanis and Tambres withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their followers shall be made shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Boy, God made God made it real clear to Dennis and Danbury's, hey, you're resisting the authority, and you're going to reap the rewards of unrighteousness. You're going to suffer the consequences of going against the authority of God. Dennis and says, Sometimes say that these are is the uh, translation for into the Greek of those who restored Moses and the earth opened the ground and swallowed them up. The new thing that Moses says says, "Oh, he says, if I'm not from God, then then I'll die like every then they'll die like every other man. But if I'm from the Lord, I'm going to show you a new thing, and the earth will open her mouth and swallow them. And that's what happened. God caused the ground right underneath their tents and their stuff to." open up and swallow them, come back down upon them, and they were gone. Boy, their folly was made manifest, and they suffered the reward of their unrighteousness. Those who will follow after the flesh will suffer the reward of their unrighteousness. They're going to be deceiving, and yet being deceived, the Bible tells us. In 2 Timothy, it says, but, the, but evil so do, but evil do as the seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Boy, just as they're going to go out and try to trick people, they're going to go and they're going to do their own will, and they're going to deceive others so they can get what they want. Even as they've done to others, it's going to happen unto them, and people are going to deceive them, and it's going to cause strife, it's going to cause discontentment, it's going to cause some, some hurt and some pain. See their deceitfulness. Disease. And they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, sporting themselves and blemishes. Spots are they and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Hey, they think they can get away with it. They think, hey, nobody's going to know. The wicked say, oh, you know, the duck, the Lord doesn't see. And it was not going to. Hey, who's not going to punish us according to his word? We can go, we can do what we want to do. But there is a day coming where every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is a day coming for judgment upon the unrighteous. The Bible tells us the point of man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. You know, they ask sometimes, well, you know, why doesn't God come in? Why doesn't God judge sin? Well, you know, it's real easy to, to say that when we think of, you know, the Donald Saint or the Adolf Hitler. You know, why doesn't God come and judge these really wicked sinners? Because when he does, he's also going to come and judge the little white liars. Those who have what we might consider the small sins. <clears throat> When he comes, he's going to judge sin, and it's going to be full, and it's going to be final. He's going to judge sin completely. These are 
those who would walk in the flesh in the lust. They're deceiving. They have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. You're going to beguile the unstable souls and the hearts have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. Here they have their covetous practices. Their desires to have more and more. Well, where does that spring from? Why, why do they have to have more and more? Because it comes from a heart of discontentment. The Bible tells that godliness with contentment is great gain. In Proverbs 27, 20, it says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Boy, why can't they say it's enough? Why can't they say I have enough? Because the eyes of man are never satisfied. They're going to go about with their covetous practices, the desires to have more and more. They're never going to be content with that which they have. They have that eye full of adultery. Why? Because they're discontent. They're not content with what they have. They're going to exercise in covetous practices. Well, how are they going to do that? In verse 15, there are 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible tells us, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Boy, why, why did they... Why did they? Why did they do it? Boy, they they want the wages. They want to get paid for their own life, their wickedness. For those who are not familiar with Balaam and Numbers twenty-two, it's going to talk about Balaam. And there's a man, man by the name of Balak, and he's a king. And here come the children of Israel and out of the wilderness, and they come to his land. He goes, "Oh boy, Whew. that is a lot of people." And it was a lot of people. He goes, oh man. Hey, you know, I'm, there's a guy in my kingdom and I, and, and I know from experience and I know that whom he blesses, they're blessed. And, well, whom he curses, they're cursed. And that man's name was Balaam. So he sent his princes to Balaam and, and, they, and they came and says, hey, you know, uh, King uh, Balak, he wants you to come and to curse this the, the, this people, uh, the children of Israel here, they're, they're coming out of the wilderness here. They're coming into his land. They're getting ready for war. They, well, they're going to take his land. And he says, well, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. So you, you can offer me all kinds of rewards, but I'm going to go and I'm going to ask God. What God says to me, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what he did. Comes back and, and he says, you know what? I, I can't. I can't do it. God told me I can't do it. Sends them away empty-handed. They come back. They got to tell the king. King, he won't come. He said he won't do it. King says, "Well, that's not good enough. Hey, let me call some more, some higher princes. Maybe I'll send send the next send my own son over there with the, some more noble princes with maybe a greater reward in their hand for the for the rewards of divination, the rewards of blessing and cursing, and so." They come, and, and this time, you know, God's already told them, no, don't do it. But he goes, oh, well, let me go ask God again. You know, maybe, maybe God's tenth is mine. I mean, you know, you're a little more noble here. you got more reward. So he goes, and God says, you know what? You just, you just go. 
You, you do you do what you think you need to do, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So I course Balaam and says, oh, "Okay, I guess I can go. All right." So he 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 seeks, he enjoys the reward, and well, as he's going, God opens the eyes of his donkey there. Well, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn, and he flees into a field one time and to get away. The next time, they're in a narrow place. There's walls on either side, so he moves up against the wall to avoid the angel of the Lord. And finally, they're in a real narrow place, and there's no way he can't get around on either side, so donkey just stops. Boy, this time, Balaam, he's had it with his donkey. Starts beating his donkey, and the Lord does something he's never done before, and lets the donkey talk to Balaam. And then we see here in verse 16, he says, And I was rebuked of his iniquity, the dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Boy, that donkey, he started talking with them, and finally the Lord opens the eyes of, uh, of Balaam then. Balaam sees the, the angel with the sword drawn. Now he understands the madness of the prophet. There. Boy, why was he mad? Why was he doing this? Because he wanted the reward. So to make a long story short, he repents. Lord lets him go anyway, so he goes. And instead of cursing the children of Israel, he blesses them. And through chapter 23 and chapter 24 of Numbers, he, he blesses them. The Bible doesn't explicitly tell, say that he told Balak how to, how to get God to destroy the people. But it's fairly evident through the context of the scriptures because, boy, chapter 25, what does Balak do? Oh, you know, well, we can't defeat them with our army, so let's try to deceive them and let God destroy them and deceive them through their lust. And so what does he do? He invites them to the feast of their pagan god and sends out the women and they have a whole chapter of many, many thousands of people killed by the Lord for their sin that they committed that day. Boy, why, how, did, how did King Balak know to do that? Well, Balaam told him. Balaam said, well, hey, you know, your God's holy. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. If you want to defeat him, why? Because Balaam wanted the reward. He wanted to have some of the the treasures that Balak offered. Balaam, he, he's going to receive the reward of unrighteousness because after that sin is done and the plague is stopped by, by Phineas, the son of Eleazar, where he executes judgment, Boy, the children of Israel, they're going to go and they're going to do battle with, with King Balak and they're going to defeat him. And Well, not only are they going to defeat him, the Bible makes very specific mention that, oh, they also killed Balaam. Why? Because he loved the wages of unrighteousness. And he's going to receive the reward of his unrighteousness. And just as those who will follow in the footsteps of Balaam to commit these wickedness, who will walk in their own flesh, who will desire and be self-willed, they're going to receive 
their reward of unrighteousness. It says here in verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. The wages of the wicked. The wages of Balaam. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. In Revelation 2.14, Balaam's going to be mentioned again. It says, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there with them that, that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Boy, here it tells us very clearly, it was Balaam that taught Balak how to cast the stumbling block, how to cause the people to sin. And yet here, in Revelation, there's going to be those who are going to cause people to sin. But they're going to get the rebuke, just as Balaam was rebuked by this donkey and by the Lord, and ultimately had to pay the price. The Bible tells us this in two verses later there in Revelation chapter 2. It says, Repent, or else I come unto thee quickly and will fight against thee with the sword of my mouth. Tells us what to do. Says, you need to repent. You need to turn away from that wickedness. Those who will walk after their own lust, who will seek their own way, they're going to get the reward of the unrighteous unless they repent. The Bible tells us that God will judge. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 4, it says, honorable, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. See, these have, have these eyes full of adultery, where God's going to judge them. God's going to judge the wickedness of those who would who will go after their own will, who will go after their own desires, who will walk after the flesh. And we're going to receive their just reward. Abraham said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? The judge of all the earth he will do right. He will punish the unrighteous for their unrighteousness. He will reward them for their deeds, just as he will reward the righteous for their deeds, and for those which the, those who are right will do. Question then comes to us today: Is how are we walking? Can we truly examine ourselves and say, you know, I'm not walking after the flesh. I'm not walking after my own desires. I'm not doing the things that I want to do. If that's the case today, then there is a reward for unrighteousness. But there's a hope. I read it just a minute ago with Revelation. It says, repent. We're walking after our own flesh, after the own desires of our heart. Self-will. Saying, you know, I know what I know what God's word says, but boy, I really enjoy doing this. I really like to do whatever it is that, that you're thinking of. It's drawing you away from God and away from following Him. Don't be self-willed. Don't walk after that. Turn from it and repent. 
Paul tells us, we confess our faults, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.